be attentive. In those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists murmured against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the body of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands upon them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Peace be to you, the reader. for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate wondered if he were already dead. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he had learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. And he bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away? 
the stone for us from the door of the tomb. And looking up, they saw that the stone was rolled back, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen, he is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had come upon them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. who proclaims the gospel. Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> it's fitting that we have Mother's Day today because it's also the day that we commemorate the myrrh bearers, the holy myrrh bearers, who most of them were mothers and all of them were like mothers to our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's fitting to talk about motherhood because motherhood affects all of us. At the beginning of Lent, my grandmother fell asleep in the Lord, and we had her funeral in Modesto in California. And at that funeral, there were so many people who had come who weren't related to her by blood, but they were people who called her mother, who called her grandmother, even though they had no relationship of flesh and blood with her because she had become a mother to so many people. Friends of my mom, or distant relatives and cousins. Her love and her maternal love was so evident that people all around would be flocking to her. And she's not the only one like that. Here in our parish we have Yaya Fran, who is like a grandmother to everyone in the St. John community. And she's not the only one. We have many others within our community who have become surrogate grandmothers, surrogate mothers or aunts. In Greek you say Thea for almost anyone that you're close with. And even in each of our own lives we have those women who have become like mothers to us or aunts or sort of mothers, even though they're not people that we're related to necessarily. All of these are examples of what it means to be to have true motherhood, true Christian motherhood. <clears throat> you see, motherhood rightly understood is not simply about raising children, and it's not limited to those who rear children. Rather, motherhood is at the core of what it means to be a woman, a woman created by God. Today I'd like to read a few passages from a very nice book. It's called The Joy to Serve by Matushka Juliana Schmemann, Father Alexander Schmemann's wife. And she writes about motherhood. 
in this first passage, she says, Whether you are a mother or a monastic or a single woman, you are a woman created differently from a man. Motherhood is in your nature. A woman is a life giver. Whether she produces children or doesn't, she gives life. This is the essential characteristic of a woman. Whatever her circumstances, she has been created as a life giver. If she does not actually have children, she nevertheless can or does or should generate life around herself. The ultimate life giver is the Theotokos, our victorious leader. But we all know women who make alive all that they touch. A nun does this through faith and dedication, generating a live relationship with the Lord. She is not only praying, meditating, contemplating, and working, but also giving concretely, emanating love, concern, and close relationship with her neighbors, whoever they may be. You see, motherhood is about becoming a mother to everyone. Like Yaya Fran, or like my grandmother, or many others, their love is not contained just to the people who are related to them, but their love emanates out. And they become, as Matushka Juliana describes, as life givers. As you can see, it's far more encompassing than biological motherhood. Matushka Juliana continues saying, Motherhood is to give life to those who have lost it, making life appear as the greatest gift, even through suffering, loss, despair, and death. Being a life giver is not only about giving birth biologically, but about living the continuous mission and vocation of all women, whether married, single, monastic, young, or old. And that mission is to embrace all of creation with care, concern, and generosity. And she continues, I dread a world where motherhood has been deprived of its spiritual beauty and has been reduced to a right and encumbrance because it is so much more a gift to be shared not only with family, but with the entire world. You see, motherhood is indeed life-giving. So what are the qualities of that life-giving motherhood that she describes? First and foremost, it's offering compassion. That compassion is something that first draws people to the women around them. Is because even though it's not their mother by birth, it's a woman who shows compassion, who shows love, who says, I know what you're going through. Secondly, it's giving consolation. When we have struggles, we need people around us who will say, it's okay. I understand. And here, have this as your consolation. They bring the joy of Christ. And most importantly, they love unconditionally, which is truly the love of God. You see, giving is a, a crucial aspect of motherhood. There's selflessness. In selflessness, we give to the other and we remove ourselves from the situation. And you can all think about situations where this has occurred, where someone has selflessly given to you. And what happens? It's almost as though, it's, well, it's definitely as though you're more important than they are. And they take on whatever burdens, whatever struggles that you endure. They take those on. And this is why biological motherhood, actually raising children, is such a sure path to salvation. Because the mother is forced to give of herself. 
forced to give of all those things that, that were so important, and yet now there's this person before them who they love so greatly. But again, I stress, this is not simply a motherhood that's just for those who have children, but rather for all. It's through biological motherhood that we can see the fullness of the gift of God, which is motherhood, as a benefit for the entire world. What does that look like? It looks like when we think of the prodigal son and the father. The father gives completely. He says, here, take everything. Take your inheritance. And the son goes away and the love never diminishes. But we see that the father is eager for the son to come back. Because this is the love of God. The love of God is a love without any conditions, without any, any requirements, any needs, but rather is a love that is always there. And this is that love that we see as expressed in motherhood. But the reason why I'm focusing on motherhood is not simply because it's Mother's Day. It's because we all have a mother that God has given us. And that mother, besides our biological mother, is the mother of God, the Panagia, the Theotokos. She is truly our mother. And in her we see the example of all of those gifts of motherhood. We see her compassion. We see that both in the gospel narrative and in our own lives. How she consoles us. How she intercedes on our behalf. How she is constantly active and working in our lives. God has given us a mother. And she is the Panagia. Today we commemorate the myrrh-bearers. And one of those myrrh-bearers is the Panagia. She was there at our Lord's crucifixion. She was there on that day of the resurrection. She was always there at the side of her son. And because of this, God has given us her as our mother. So on this Mother's Day, let us remember that we all have a mother. We have a mother that was given to us by our birth, and we have yet another mother that was given to us by God himself. We have been adopted. God has made us his sons and daughters. And Jesus Christ has a mother that has become a mother for each of us. Amen.